This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dojo Live. This is the second show today. We had our design thinking show this morning. That was awesome. So welcome back for those who are coming back and welcome for those of you watching for the first time. So today is Thursday, March 24th, 2022. I'm Tulio Sergusa broadcasting from sunny Southern California. Joining me today is America Guerrero from Mexico City. Hey. You guys might have seen her in our recap show. This is America's first live Dojo Live. So nervous? So, no, not um, nervous. No nerves. It's just a conversation no, amongst friends. Conversation. And the and the friend we want to join, uh, welcome today, who's joining us, is Rob Palumbo, who is the CEO at Outpoint. Hey, Rob, good to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Tulio, America, thank you very much for having me. Uh, so I'm Rob. I'm an avid runner and reader. I'm based in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, I've spent my entire career in startups doing growth marketing for various venture-backed companies. I love trying to learn what makes a company grow, what are the systems, the playbooks, the channels they need to use. Um, and I have a, a partner named Claire and uh, a little dog named Stevie, like Phoenix, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just really excited about uh, being here today. So thanks for having me. Like minds. I immediately went to Stevie Nicks when I heard the name Stevie. <laughs> Good taste in music. All right. So uh, thanks for the introduction, uh, Rob. Let's get to know a little bit your company, Outpoint. What is it that you guys do? Why did you guys create this company? Tell us about it, please. So Outpoint is a predictive modeling platform, and we enable high-growth consumer brands, think like e-commerce businesses or mobile apps, um, to better understand the cause and effect and the impact of their marketing spend. So they simply plug in their revenue and cost data sets, and we produce a set of predictive models that help the marketer understand how will revenue change, how will cost change over time as I test different channels and they can run simulations to, to figure out really what the optimal mix should be. Brilliant. All right. Let's see what we can learn from our topic today and the question we're going to answer and dig right in and chive down everything that we can from today's conversation. America, if you could please introduce the topic. Uh, today, of course. Great. Thank yes. you. Yes. AI powered media makes modeling built for the post iOS 14 reality. And the question is, how can high growth B2Cs better allocate capital across current and new marketing channels to achieve breakout growth? So please, Ralph, tell us, why did you choose this topic? Um, why is it relevant today? Thank you for the intro, America. That was great. Uh, I think the topic is that uh, it's very difficult for high growth brands to get a handle on their costs when they're trying to achieve breakout growth and particularly after the release of iOS 14. So in the title, it was the post iOS 14 reality. What does that mean? Well, let's, let's break that down. Um, with Apple's iOS 14 operating system update, they basically enabled uh, anti-tracking and anti-cookie technology in all of the iPhones. 
that made the tracking tech that a lot of advertising platforms like Facebook and other tools used to track you a lot less effective. Um, and what happened, if you look at the public uh, stock prices of, of many ad tech and ad platforms, uh, they've fallen a lot since Apple's uh, introduction of iOS 14. And we're really in this new post iOS 14 reality where privacy is very important to the consumer. Uh, and we need new models to figure out which ads are working and which ones aren't because you can't track a user across the web anymore. So it's interesting. I remember when Google made a significant change to the algorithm. I think it was called, was it the Panda uh, update? This was years ago. And it had dramatically impacted SEO and SEM companies. I mean, overnight, their business models changed. And everybody scrambled for months to try to figure out how to realign themselves. And basically, SEO was never the same after that update. So in many respects, Apple has done a similar things. They've turned the perpetually connected consumer into virtually unconnected instantly because of the, the update. So... How does this, let, let's paint the picture a little bit for those who may not be familiar with ad tech and how that comes together, like me. <laughs> how, how perpetually connected consumers and how that data is collected. Let's paint the picture on how it was done. You know, how did marketers better position their advertising spend and marketing spend based on this information and like the reality they're in now and how can they now continue to provide the same kind of value for their stakeholders to continue to grow and innovate, et cetera. So if you could just paint that picture of what the ecosystem looked like before and what it is now and how you guys are solving this, that would be awesome. We'd love that. Awesome. Thanks for the uh, intro, Tulio. I think that there is a, a similarity to Google and the power Google has when they make a platform change. And I think this is just a broader trend where you see these uh, salvos being fired from each big tech company at one another where they try to use their platform power to reduce the power of, of the other platform. So it's really interesting to see how this develops. Um, to your question about what was it like before iOS 14? Well, that was an era where um, it was more acceptable for uh, advertisers and websites to track consumers across their um, browsing history, across mobile applications and across their devices. So Facebook, for instance, has something called the Facebook Pixel that is on pretty much every website in the world that does any kind of advertising. And that is a form of cookie technology that is very advanced, designed by Facebook, that Facebook used to track you across the web. Well, all of a sudden, Apple comes along and gives their users the ability to opt out of that tracking. Um, that completely kind of impairs the ability of um, Facebook and other ad platforms that rely on similar technologies to target users and also to measure effectiveness. Um, when I say measure effectiveness, that means how much did it cost? How much revenue did I get? And that is where our company Outpoint comes in. So what we do instead of tracking a user across the web is we build a statistical model that basically just looks at cause and effect. As you spent on a channel, do we see some lift that occurs on the same day and in some time period after? And how can the statistical model explain that over time? Okay, so I'm going to pass it back to America. She's got a few questions. But before we do that, I, I want to add a follow-up question to that. So being able to model these scenarios, 
is it only post fact or you guys are able to actually do pre-modeling to see how it could end up playing before you actually apply the spend? How does that work? That's a great question. So we have both capabilities. We do require some historical data set to build our base models. And then the utility of the base models is once we've drawn, we draw like what is called a logistic regression curve, which cuts through all of the data points that we have in the historical data set to draw a predictive curve. And that curve could be used to do what if analyses. What happens if we spend, what happens if we double our spend on Facebook? What happens if we try a new channel like TV? Um, so we are, we have utility for both cases, both historical, what happened? And then what if we change spend or, or try something new? And then are you able to set the parameters you want to accomplish? Like do you set the metrics or does the system tell you the metrics you realistically can have or does it do both? So we really try to focus on revenue and cost. So the recommendations that we deliver are either a revenue maximization recommendation. So find me the sets of spends that are going to get me the most revenue at like reasonable costs, or there'll be an efficiency scenario where we'll recommend a set of spends that will help them improve their unit economics, reduce their customer acquisition costs. Um, so basically depending what the, what objective the business has, we, we have an optimization scenario for that. Nice. Okay, America, do you have a question or I answer, I answered them already. I, my internet is, uh, kind of failing so it's going to be fast so yeah you talk about the this new reality you talk about uh you were 14 on the last area of this technology so how do you think that is going to look like in 10 years how how what do you mm. project that is my question i'm not an expert so th this is mm. the, the first thing that i had in my mind you know, when we all have chips installed in our heads, that's how, how is it going to look like that? No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, Tulio, it's going to go one of two ways. Either it will be a full integration where we have zero privacy, and some people would argue we might be in this kind of environment today, mm -hmm. or the trend of Apple and others protecting user rights and privacy continues, and we actually go in the opposite direction. And maybe like 2018 was the peak for lack of privacy. It's possible. I, I think it's 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 going to be one of the two extremes, um, quite frankly. We're either going to be the Julio chip, or we're going to have full privacy. Um, that's my guess. Interesting. Um, when it comes to marketing and how marketing is done, I think the core principles will always remain: know your audience, have great creative, um, try to meet customers in in moments that matter to them, and you don't need tracking and you don't need to violate someone's privacy in order to live up to those core marketing principles. And that's why like our predictive models are often really good for channels that didn't even need tracking in the first place, but let's say a brand is spending on the television or they're spending with influencers. Our model works really well where they can just upload their spends. And when we see revenue occur in the days on and after those spends, we can train the model to say, okay, you know, when, brand, when that brand spends on TV, we see X lift in spend or sorry, XLift in revenue. And um, uh, and that's how we start to quantify value. So we're, we're live in market right now. We have seven customers. Uh, we raised a pre-seed in the back half of last year. And uh, now we're just trying to, you know, aggressively grow our platform and grow our customer base. 
Now, Rob, if we look at the LumaScapes for MarTech and AdTech, it is humongous. I think mm -hmm. there's 6,000 plus players just in the MarTech space. And uh, I mean, I remember I was in the AdTech space in 2005 when the LumaScape was still manageable. Now it's completely out of control. And there's so many different segments and uh, areas and a lot of people have tried to do programmatic buying and they get some predictability and AI built into that. So what's unique? What's different about what you guys are doing? Does it bring together some of these things? Is it a separate? Can you just kind of give us an overview of where it fits into the ecosystem today? For sure. So where I like, I, you bring up a good point about the Lumascape being massive. There is tons of indirect competition. Um, I think what is unique about what Outpoint does is the utility of our predictive models, the simplicity of, okay, I just want to plug in my first party revenue and cost data sets. So what are those? Revenue could be something like Google Analytics, Stripe, or Shopify. The costs would be like your ad spends on various channels. You, just, you plug in those two data sets, and then Outpoint will deliver predictive models that have 90% accuracy. Here's how much revenue you're going to get. Here's what it's going to cost you. I think the um, in the past, if you wanted to get that type of predict like predictive power, you would probably need to have your own in-house data science team, or you need to engage with a really expensive consultancy. But now, you know, we are able to roll out those those the, the power of those predictive models in a SaaS product. And I think you couldn't build Outpoint in 2015. Um, the the data wasn't available. The machine learning tech wasn't the same. So I, I think. Um, and, and the moment wasn't the same as well with, when we were talking about iOS 14 and rising costs. So uh, it's, it's very important that we're building it now. Excellent. Okay, so the challenge of the privacy is making it difficult to gain insights, but there's alternatives like what you guys are doing with predictive modeling and such. Does it work mostly at below the line or above the line in terms of marketing initiative or both? Is it more based on new client acquisition or enhancing the existing, uh, i.e. conversions, upgrades? Can you give us a little bit of a picture into these two worlds these that are very complicated, but I'm just for simplicity purposes, above the line, below the line. Uh, for those who might be wondering what does that mean, Above the line is for new client acquisition. Below the line is for existing client growth and conversion. So, what? Just curious. What? Uh, how does it? How is the use cases shaping? How are the use cases shaping up so far? For sure. So, I mean, our ideal client persona is the performance marketing leader. So, typically, the person in charge of uh, driving revenue through marketing spend. Um, so. It's a bit closer to below the line, but new customer acquisition can also drive revenue. Um, and the problem that they're solving is just like the pressure to hit revenue targets and the lack of predictability. And how do I grow beyond Facebook and Google to new channels? This is absolutely a core value proposition for many of our customers, um, helping them validate channels that before Outpoint were, were hard to measure, like out of home and influencers, and then also understand um, where they're hitting diminishing returns on current channels like Facebook and Google, and Google so they can actually reallocate their budget to, to try something new. Um, so in terms of um, like our, our customer base, it's, it's growing. We, we 3X our growth from uh, Q1 
Q4 of 2021 to Q1 of uh, 2022 on the, on the revenue side. And really what we're trying to validate is do customers use our recommendations? Do they trust them? Um, and are they, are they seeing the revenue growth and the, and the uh, cost improvements that we had predicted? Great. I have a question for you, Rob. Um, how do you evaluate features? Do you have user base that you work with? Yeah, so we have seven signed uh, customers. If you go to our website, you can see some of those logos um, at outpoint.app. And the, oh, yeah, I remember. Mm -hmm. the uh, customer is typically the performance marketing leader in charge of allocating the budgets. So we work closely with those uh, marketing leaders to understand their needs. I used to be in that seat uh, before Outpoint, which is you know what what motivated me to start this company uh, because I, I I realized that costs were out of control and there was a lack of good tooling to manage um, you know a cross channel marketing mix and understand cause and effect. So that uh, that is what motivated me to 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 build this company. Nice, excellent. Margaret, you got one more. Uh not really. Um, All right. Well, okay. I got one. So uh, just curious, like which verticals are you seeing adopting the platform more and, and why? Like what are some of the metric improvements they are reporting? Is there a trend that you're seeing versus uh, in terms of what verticals are, are, are having the best results with this? Yeah, I think the, the best fit for Outpoint is a digital consumer brand that has like a completely online conversion funnel. Um, and it typically will be a product that can be sold in a, a higher frequency. So, um, e-commerce fits into this category. There's also like FinTech and digital healthcare, uh, that could fit into this category. So really just digital consumer businesses, uh, that sell at a pretty high frequency and, and rely on paid marketing to grow. They're a best fit with Endpoint. Um, in terms of metric improvement. Uh, I'll give the case study of there's a, a fintech brand we work with. They do life insurance online. Um, after four months of using Outpoint, they've grown their monthly revenue by 53% while bringing their cost per acquisition down by 7%. So hmm. amazing to have those, uh, typically those go up hand in hand as you hit diminishing returns and scale up. So amazing to have those go in the, uh, in the opposite direction. Yeah. Very so nice. You told us about how the future will look like, like there are two ways, right? So how does, how, I know that technology change every month. So how do you keep with innovation? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I personally, I, I spend way too much time on Twitter. Uh, tech news <laughs> and um, well, that I, could put you in a bad mood too, yeah. just spending a lot of time on oh, Twitter. It's, it's, it's get there. <laughs> But in terms of our team, we actually have a function called research. Um, so we have two people with the title of research in their role and their job is innovation. Uh, it's R&D, it's model development, figuring out what the best practices are in machine learning and data science. Um, so like our research team publishes their own research, they submit papers to conferences uh, and they produce a lot of great new innovative features. So I think like organizationally that really helps us uh, keep on, on the cutting edge. And then, you know, having a, awareness of what other players are doing because the ad tech space is, is huge, as you noted earlier, Tulio. Um, and there's a lot of really interesting trends and learnings that we can all take from one another. 
So you mentioned something interesting. You've got R&D that are uh, constantly keeping the pulse on innovation and looking for ways to continuously innovate. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how are you fostering that mindset, both within the organization and also you have a user base you mentioned you work with. How do you get them to cooperate as a community, if you will, to help shape the, the product, shape the offering, and in many cases, shape the market? What are some of the lessons you've learned that's worked well? What are some of the things you suggest you should avoid? Can you share some of those with us? For sure. I, I think, I mean, growth mindset is like very core to what we do, both literally as a product, but also I think the kind of organization we try to, to build. Um, and when it when you talk about fostering a culture that rewards and supports that, I think it, it starts with who you hire. So there are specific principles and behaviors that we hire for at our company um, that, you know, we have literally put into scorecards that we want to see, like how they're, they're ranking against these kind of principles. Uh, and they include, we are all owners. So we each embrace responsibility and we're, we're, and we're accountable. Growth for all, commitment to our own personal and, and, and the growth of our teammates. Um, customer obsession. We have a set of principles that really are the core building blocks uh, behind creating this within Outpoint. Uh, and then with our customers, they're naturally like high growth people. Um, they're, they're typically in charge of big multi-million dollar budgets and they're trying to grow very quickly. Um, so they, um, they, you know, they're working with Outpoint because they want to grow faster. Awesome. We lost the market. There's uh, a fire alarm going off in our building yeah. uh, live. You know, something's happening there. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully everything's going to be okay. So uh, we talk. We just started touching a little bit about the company culture, and I want to dig into that a little bit more, if you don't mind. Um, sure. First, I'm curious, how do you guys price your services and product? How do you make money? Is this uh, a service like a concierge consulting where you help them set it up or it's self-service? How does, how does, you know, how does someone become successful in using your platform? Yes. So in terms of our pricing and, and how we make money, we are a B2B SaaS company. So we charge a subscription for access to the predictive models and they get refreshed um, on a periodic basis. And we're increasing the frequency of those refreshes all the time. Um, so the, the customer pays a SaaS fee starting at $2,500 per month. And that scales up um, if they add additional features or additional things for the model. The first couple of weeks um, are a data onboarding process where we integrate with the various channels, um, do the first like sets of model design. So each customer gets their own bespoke media mix model. And then once it's deployed to the, the SaaS platform, we just update that on a periodic basis. Um, and the customer can introduce new channels, new products, and it'll update over time once those data feeds are live. So the licensing fee, the subscription sheet, does that cover X amount of models or is it unlimited? How does that, how is that uh, structured? Then? So our like an initial entry price is just one model. So okay. let's say, you know, a e-commerce company in a single geography, that would, they'd be covered, but maybe they want to model out different geographies. Uh, they want to look at Mexico versus USA. They, there would Got be it. an additional cost if they wanted to be separate models for those different geographies. Got it. All right, cool. All right. 
So it's you know paid paid by the drink, right? Whatever you need, wherever you need it. That's right. That's how it goes. Let's talk a little bit about the company itself. That what makes it unique. Some of our audience members could be potential employees sometime uh, in the future or near term. Uh, can you share with us? You touched on a little bit some of your guiding principles. Can you share a little bit more about? What's the day in the life at Outpoint? Uh, what kind of people you tend to attract? Why do they come work with you? What's the key thing you're hearing that they like about Outpoint? Paint a little picture about the day in and day out culture, if you don't mind. Sounds good. So we're a team of 10 people. Um, we are at the pre-seed stage. In terms of uh, the composition of those 10 people, most of our team is technical. So either on the engineering or the, the, the data science side. Uh, or research, like I mentioned earlier. And in terms of what attracts folks to, to work on this problem, I think it is the intersection of working on like a data science slash AI ML problem and consumer growth. That intersection seems to attract a certain type where you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get the B2B SaaS AI business and you get exposure to the B2C consumer landscape. So for someone who hasn't like really selected a vertical, uh, Outpoint's a pretty compelling value proposition because you get to learn about both. Um, you get to see how a B2B SaaS company scales. And then for all of our clients, you get to see how they get to grow as well. Um, in terms of the, our team, we are a remote team, although the majority of our team is based in Toronto, which is where our HQ is. Um, and and it, the kind of personality type is like, I would say, very data-driven based on what our company does, um, hungry and uh, supportive as well. Like we're all Canadian. So I think we're, we're kind to one another. Uh, we care about one another and uh, we know that we're trying to optimize for the long-term here. It's, it's just early days for Outpoint and um, we need to you know support each other as we go through the good days and the, uh, Maybe the days that aren't always as great. I, I know, Tulio, you've worked on your own startups. Through, you know, there, there's ups and downs, but I think the ops make it completely worthwhile and, and definitely outweigh. I think the founder of Twitter uh, said it best. The startup mm -hmm. is like jumping off a cliff and assembling the parachute on your way down. That's that's the experience. It's not for the faint of heart, but uh, it sounds like you guys have some great foundational things in place that will shape the, the future of the company. So congratulations with that. Uh, so uh, we're coming up on time and uh, I want to ask you one final question. It's a little bit more personal about your experience as an entrepreneur building this business. Uh, there's people out there who do perfectly well working for bigger companies. Uh, some have taken risks in startups that didn't pan out so well. Some have lost their shirts in that process. They're afraid to do it again. That's like me. <laughs> um, so, you know, words of advice, like what would you share in terms of your personal experience? Has the journey so far been worth it personally? What, what okay. would you say has been the learning lessons for you as an entrepreneur? For, for me, I think a, something that I always advise, this is particular, it's a particular comment for new grads or people who are new to the workforce, is one of the best ways to learn about becoming an entrepreneur is to work for other entrepreneurs. So one piece of advice I have for new to workforce people or new to entrepreneurship, they want to get a feel for startups is to try to identify promising startup companies near you or in, in actually they don't need to be near you anymore. It could be anywhere. 
uh, and and get some reps under your belt working for experienced founders. That's what I did uh, before Outpoint. That, so that's my probably number one piece of advice for people wanting to break into startups. Try to get some advice and some, or some good mentorship under some other founders. Uh, you will get exposed to building the plane while flying whilst, while not necessarily having to be the pilot. Maybe you'll be the co-pilot. And that's good preparation for eventually the day where, uh, where you do have to build the plane while flying. Um, so, yeah. That is really great advice. I mean, sometimes the new graduates come out and want to go straight to building the next unicorn. It doesn't really work that way most of the time. You 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 need that time with people that you can learn from and you can uh, take notes and and grow from. So thanks for sharing that advice. It's been great to have you with us, Rob. We wish you a lot of continued success. It sounds as though you are on the precipice of something that's really needed. That's uh, been scratching the head a lot of marketers and advertisers like how do we work and navigate in this new reality with privacy at the helm and uh you know having the access to predictive modeling and 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 really tying in the the roi metrics to your efforts is so key i mean that's been the promise from day one of martech and ad tech it hasn't always delivered but it sounds as though you guys are on the right path to be able to deliver on that promise so congratulations uh stay with us just a minute as we go off the air i want to announce really quickly what we got coming up next week this is the last show of of the week on monday come back at 12 o'clock pacific we're gonna have the recap show where we recap this week's live shows uh that's at 12 o'clock pacific we're gonna spend 10 minutes just recapping uh, all the conversations we had and the key points that we thought were interesting then on uh, march 29th we're gonna talk with uh belzazar lepe who's the ceo and co-founder at serbi about uh, building a company in the 2020s versus 2000. That should be an interesting conversation. Uh, and then uh, we're going to talk with the day after that with Adam Gordon, who is an instructor at IT Pro TV. And we'll talk about preparing for today's security landscape. Security is a big market, a uh, big challenge. And so come check out those shows. We'll announce them again on Monday at the recap show. Any new ones that we add, we'll announce it on Monday as well. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. Be safe and don't forget to have some fun. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.